Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well, in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis, a lot of us are thinking about the world that we're leaving the next generation and what do we need to do to help children be prepared for their future. You know, your child's employability in the workforce may be the last thing on your mind right now, but did you know that in Adele Technologies report, they stated that 85% of the jobs in 2030, that Generation Z and Alpha, which is your children, will enter into have not even been invented yet. And according to a World Economic Forum report, 65% of primary school children today will be working in job types that don't exist yet. So what skills can we be teaching our children today to help open the doors to 21st century skills and to help them prepare for job opportunities in their future? Well, that's exactly what we're here to discuss today with our special guest, Adam Jacobs, Managing Director of Junior Engineers. Now, Adam is an experienced leader in the education and ed tech sectors, and he's worked in a, in a whole range of different industries, ranging from corporate finance to film and television to education. But we're told that education is by far the topic that he's most passionate about. Now, a little bit about Junior Engineers. Since it was founded in 2013, they have educated over 40,000 students, uh, also internationally, and they deliver over 120 classes per week in over 55 workshops during school holidays. Um, at over 110 schools all around Australia. And we're really excited to be chatting with you today, Adam. Thank, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thanks for having me, Rachel. Now, this is a really interesting topic, and I'm really excited and passionate about this in particular, um, being in, of course, a, a tech business myself. But for you know anyone born before 1985, um, then we all know that, um, I guess, what life is like before the internet and over the past 20 years we've made our pil pil pilgrimage if I can get my words out from life to before and after the internet but for, for Gen Z for those born between 1997 and 2012 or iGen or centennials depending what you call them they of course are the generation that's never known a world without the internet which is fascinating of course However, today we're talking more so about Generation Alpha and, you know, um, as we're saying, some of those younger generation um, and the people born between, so of course, 2010 and, and 2020, 2025, all of these people in the future are going to have jobs and a future that we, we can't even conceive at the moment. So technology is such a big part of what the future is going to hold. And I'd just love to know from your perspective, what are your thoughts on, on all of this stuff? <laughs> it's quite fascinating. Sure. No, I would love to share. So I heard that interesting stat that you pulled up about, you know, the, the fact that so many jobs have yet to be created yeah. and the younger generations will be experiencing the jobs that have yet to be created. On the flip side, there's also a lot of data out there which suggests that up to half of every job in Australia over the next 20 to 25 years will simply cease to exist due to technological displacement. So what does that mean? Due to technology replacing the jobs. They suggest that it will start with the DDRs, the dangerous, dirty and repetitive jobs. 
But the yeah. reality is those that code the technology will always be in demand. So what do we want to do? We focus at Junior Engineers really about giving kids the requisite 21st century skills to set them up for future success in a world yeah. that's becoming increasingly tech orientated. You know, technology is most definitely a central part of just our everyday life these days. And of course, it's just increasing more and more with it, with life in lockdown and of course what COVID-19 has brought to our lives. And more so than anything, we'll just continue to increase for, for children's lives, both socially and professionally. Um, so, I mean, with, with that, I mean, how important do you think it is for parents to understand the importance of um, STEM um, in particular, which is science, technology, engineering and maths for their children in today's increasing digital world? What are your thoughts? I, I think that's a really good question because I, I think the key point to respond to that is that STEM education and digital technologies education is not a nice to have anymore. It's a must have. And that's the reality. If we're not teaching kids the language of the future, we're not doing them justice. We're not setting them up for a future career. So many of the careers are now being orientated around technology. Mm. And not only the fact that careers are being orientated around technology, but the way that people undertake their careers <laughs> is also orientated around technology. Have a look at how we're communicating today. It's yeah. via Zoom. So this concept of face-to-face -face is starting to disappear. So our goal really is, and it should be every parent's goal, is to teach kids to become creators with technology as opposed to consumers of technology. Oh, I love and that. And with the right... Yeah, and the, with the right digital technologies education, we really can achieve that mission right across Australia. So just expanding on that then, how important do you think it is for educators to find ways to ignite, I guess, enthusiasm when teaching children digital technologies um, to school-age students? The reality is if you're having a better time learning, you're going to retain more. Simply 100%. <laughs> so if you're... Uh, implementing um, elements of gamification or gameplay in your education. It's, uh, it's been uh, basically a number of studies have been released on applying gamification to the way kids learn and retention is significantly increased and engagement, of course. So, you know, in answering that question, I think it's very important um, how teachers deliver concepts, not just what they deliver, to maximise the outcomes for students. Yeah. Now, I've got a ton of questions I want to ask you, Adam, but before we get stuck into it, I just wanted to acknowledge, of course, that we published an article of yours titled, What is the Secret Value of Your Child Learning Coding and STEM in Online Classes? Now, for someone who hasn't read the article yet, please tell us what it's about and, of course, what inspired you to write it. Sure. So the article really is around the fact that online education is here and it's here to stay. And that parents and kids, but more so parents, need to appreciate that online education can be as effective, if not more effective, than in-person education. Now, we're not suggesting that in-person education is no longer applicable. Of course it is. But what I'm saying and what the article is saying is that in order to make sure kids keep up 
with not only educational trends, but the best ways to learn, parents should acknowledge that online is a very good medium to learn and as well as also accessible. So if you think about the kids right across Australia who might not have access to digital technologies education, they now can work with organisations such as junior engineers because we can now educate kids regardless of where they are in Australia. Mm. You know, it's interesting what you said earlier. I just wanted to go back to that just for a moment. You know, kids do want to be like creative and they, they love to be creators of things. They love to get involved and to get innovative. And, and, and I guess all we have to do is just give them the tools to be able to do that. And there are so many tools available, of course, now online. Um, and it's becoming something that is growing in, in particular in the STEM space. And, and for us today is about understanding the importance of that. Now, of course, we know how much kids love to get on YouTube, TikTok, Fortnite, and all of these things to share their ideas, of course, um, with the world of other users. And they want to play things like Minecraft and um, all of those other games that we know. know is it Ro- Roblox? Um, is that how you pronounce it? I, I never know how to pronounce it. Roblox, that's <laughs> Roblox, right, Roblox, yeah. yes. yes. <laughs> but all of these things are shared um, and can really build communities and give them an opportunity to have just that community also online um, and, and friends. And, and especially it's been, it's been great for them to be able to um, be social, of course, in lockdown in these sort of environments. Now, um, with this in particular and what you were talking about, can you just explain to us what is coding? And in in simple terms, just for us to understand. Simply put, coding is is telling the technology around us what to do. So if you think about, you know, driving to to work in the days that we weren't in lockdown and you would stop at a traffic light, someone has coded that traffic light to go from red to green. The planes in the sky on autopilot, the way that we're communicating now now digitally via, you know, via this online platform, there have been IT professionals that have coded it to do what we use the technology for. Mm-hmm. So that simply put is what coding is. Okay. So then why should kids learn to code? I mean, isn't this something that they should be worried about and learning when they're in university? Why 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 children and young children at that then? Because you can think of coding like any other language. The earlier you start, the more proficient you become. And even the Department of Education in Australia has recognised that coding is, is, is here is here to stay and kids need to learn how to do it. And how they recognised it, they've created a digital technologies curriculum, which is now mandated in schools. And, and, and the reason that you want to get kids learning coding early and learning STEM is because there's a direct correlation between those that have a positive experience with STEM well before they hit grade nine and those that continue to undertake STEM later in high school at a tertiary level or for a job. If we're waiting to university, we're we're waiting too long. We have to capture them early. And just to put into perspective, two things. Number one, we start our programs for kids in grade two that's how early they start. Wow, that early. That early. And grade four, we're already teaching first-year university coding to kids in grade four. Now, I just want to clarify that. Um, while we are teaching first-year university, the programs are in grade four, the programs are for everyone. We break it down and you can start in very small chunks. So regardless of your age with coding, you start at the same point. So if you're a parent and you're thinking about how early we should be getting our kids into coding, 
they should be starting as early as possible because it means they'll just be much more proficient uh, when they're slightly older. In particular, why are you so excited about this? Like, What do you love about this work that you do? What I love is we're making a true difference to people's lives. So I always um, tell, you know, I tell a a bit of a joke around, um, you know, I'm in education and I will always be very much for pushing education onto people, unlike other products. We always joke around, we're not selling cigarettes, we're not a whaling company, we're an education for kids company. And, And we truly, truly believe that if a child is doing digital technologies education, it's benefiting them for the future. So why am I passionate? Few reasons. Number one, because it's really nice seeing kids super engaged and enthused and, and following a passion that we're able to facilitate. And number two, it's because, you know, kids leave our programs with real skills, real coding skills that they can apply later on in life and is truly applicable. So those are the reasons. And um, it's really lovely to hear that and to feel your enthusiasm and your passion um, as well. So it was just thank you for sharing that. <laughs> now, I believe sure. also that you're a big believer that not all screen time is bad. Um, so I'd love to know what's behind this. Yeah, not, not all screen time is bad. It depends what type of screen time. Now, I want to caveat that statement that there always needs to be a balance I'm a big believer in health and wellness, and part of health and wellness is going out and being active and getting fresh air, whether you're a parent or a child, and doing that with, you know, parents with kids is even better than independent of one another. That being said, if you've got a good balance, screen time can be, um, I guess, favourable for a number of reasons. First of all, there are studies that show that certain screen time with the right educational tools, students actually absorb more than in an in-person environment. Now, part of it Mm. is sometimes due to with distraction and and online can be very focused. The other thing is, you know, the way that the future is going, as an example, um, I think I read 74% of the current workforce will no longer work from the office full time. They're going to use digital means. That's a lot, yeah. Yeah, it's a big number, right? And and, yeah. and so if we're if that's where we're going, our kids need to be prepared for that. And they need to understand that a certain amount of screen time, you know, is going to be the way of the future. But but as I said, it's what they're consuming. So if we we've got screen time of just playing games or we've got screen time of education with gamification. I will always push for B than just A because the benefits from an educational standpoint is there for a kid, albeit that you're learning, you know, in an online manner via well. a screen. And interesting, I was reading in your article, it turns out that one to five hours of online gaming in an e-learning environment, I was um, learning myself, can actually improve academic performance overall. Um, so, just sort of supporting what you were saying earlier, not all screen time is bad. It can actually help boost motor skills and and emotional development as well. So, you know, with kids spending so much time on gaming platforms like Roblox, I mean, how can we get them then to actually do something educational instead? I'd love to know. And and again, just to clarify, you know, playing playing video games for 15 hours straight, we don't recommend. 
that, of course. But there are, you know, studies out there which show that certain gaming assists with computational thinking and problem solving and expedites that type of learning with kids. But when it comes back to your question around Roblox, for example, that's a really popular game with kids. And so is Minecraft. So what do we do? We actually teach kids to code using those games. We're teaching them real coding languages, how to modify the game, how to quote unquote hack the game. And so what we're doing is we're taking something that they already love and we're adding an educational underpinning to it. So they're, they're leaving with an actual skill but they're super engaged because kids absolutely love being in the world of Roblox and being in the world of Minecraft. Brilliant. So with that, I mean, what have you personally been surprised to discover by teaching coding online to kids then? That kids are sponges. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, they can run circles around me, very young kids. So the way that they absorb information and then the way that they're able to, you know, turn that into a, a, a digital project that would surprise you. As an example, um, when I first joined Junior Engineers, uh, there was a very smart girl who I had a bit of a chat to who just won a competition in uh, coding and robotics. And what she did, and by the way, I had just joined Junior Engineers, uh, so I was still, you know, learning about the business, and this was way back when. And the girl had won a competition by creating a robotic device that, uh, I'll use a bit of jargon, it had an RFID, which was basically a bin that had a scanner that could sort uh, recyclables from non-recyclables. Wow. And I, I, it was amazing. And that's what she won with. And I said to her, wow, who taught you to do that? And her response was, you guys did. So I was like, oh, of course. No, of course. I just wasn't aware that she'd been one of our students. So it was so, um, I guess, inspiring for me to see what kids could do with the education that our business could 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 basically give them. And if you said a 13-year-old kid is going to create a bin that automatically sorts recyclables from non-recyclables, and if we said that 10, 15 years ago, people would think that we were, you know, telling telling uh, fibs. Porky but now pies. it's a porky, exactly. But now it's a very, very <laughs> realistic thing. So, you know, and we're all like have become accustomed to the, the world of um home learning now, remote learning. But in your opinion, I mean, isn't learning face-to-face more efficient? Um, I'd just love to know what your thoughts are with with the aspect of, you know, teachers being online. Um, what are your thoughts? I think we need to define efficiency, right? So, what, what I mean, that's the first thing. So, I guess efficient can be, um, um, I guess, considered in many different ways. Um Efficiency might not be so great if there are many kids being very distracting for other kids, whereas if you've got an online Ah. environment or self-paced, they might be much more efficient in absorbing and retaining information. So I think there are two sides to every coin. Very interesting. Yeah, so I think there's. So I think that um, you know we need to we need to be careful because we don't want to poo-poo one or the other. Both are fantastic and both are complementary. I think that the the message is parents should be open to both styles of learning and to to basically get kids involved in a style that facilitates the best outcomes for them. Because online is not 
um, perfect for every child. Face-to-face is not perfect for every child. Mm. And, and, you know, by by experiencing different quality educators, you'll be, as a parent, able to see what your child responds best to. And, I mean, I understand that research has actually shown that learning online can teach five times the material in the same time frame. Is that true? Uh, well, look, studies, I mean, there is uh, evidence that suggests that that is the case. Um, and and why? Because, you know, less distraction. Kids usually when they're studying online, they're often engaged in things that they really care about as opposed to necessarily being force-fed a particular curriculum. Online, there are a lot of mediums that allow them to choose their own adventure, so to speak. So there are learning management systems and platforms that have um, uh, students guide their own journey. So when that's the case and you're really engaged, uh, the, the way you absorb certain information, um, I guess you retain it much quicker than with other distractions and sometimes being given information that you don't necessarily want to use. And as you said before, you can learn at your own pace. Um, my nephew's, um, thankfully, he's, he's just very, very, very bright and he's he's always the the, the student in, in the class that has to, you know, sort of wait for everybody else. And he's he's a beautifully empathetic child. That he's, he's always happy to sit and wait for everybody else to finish, the, you know, to, to, to catch up type of thing. So it's I guess it's one of those things for, for children that are also, I mean, as you said, it's a, and obviously you've you've got um, opportunities for kids on all different levels too, um, but it's uh, you know, to learn at your own pace would be one one big strength. Um, with that in particular, I mean, what kind of software can kids then develop, or like what kind of apps? Like what what can they actually do then? It, it really, as the old saying goes, you're you're limited by your own creativity, right? So so we would teach, for example, the foundations of coding, and then you could create your own video games, or we do an app prototyping program where kids are given a problem statement. The problem statement could be uh, COVID is affecting um, face-to-face communication. How can an app solve this and help people still engage in a meaningful way? I I just made that up, but that could be the problem statement. And kids then would create an app around that. Um, Other things like in the robotics, we teach kids to build their own smartwatch or a handheld gaming console. So they're actually applying a tactile um, um, element to what they're doing. They're getting hands-on with robots and then they're coding them to to obviously do what what they want them to do. So those are some of the digital creations that kids can learn to build. That's just a thing too, because I mean, the, the way that they see the world is li- limitless. And for us adults, you know, when we sometimes come up with a concept, when as, as quickly as we've come up with the idea, we've already sort of rebuttaled it and said, oh, but it might be too hard or there will be this. And, and we sort of stop ourselves and our, and our thought process from expanding and going out and creating these things. But kids have just got that 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 lens on life that just allows them just to go out pretty much and and, and believe that anything is possible, which it is. Uh, and what an incredible opportunity for them to learn these skills at a young age to sort of to then go out and create these things in the future that no doubt that we'll, we will be using, um, which is incredible. So with the classes that you guys teach, then who is who's um, like teaching the classes and and you can tell us about the instructors and, and how the classes are run then as well? Sure. So, um, you know, at Junior Engineers, we have 140 instructors that, oh, that wow. teach all, all around Australia. Yes, quite a few. And they're, they're all passionate. They're all qualified in their field. Typically, you're looking at um, very senior 
university students who have either studied or are studying IT, engineering, those types of related uh, programs. Uh, and the reason we love using them is they're so passionate about what they do. Kids can sense that passion from the instructors. You know, when you've got an instructor who loves digital technologies and coding, as a student, you're going to feel that. So they've got not only the technical acumen, but they've also got the passion to really ensure that kids have a really good experience. So, you know, coming back to your question around how the classes are run, our face-to-face -face classes are run typically at schools or at various locations around Australia, and we operate to a one-to-nine instructor to student ratio. Our online programs are done in a number of different ways. We've either got one-on-one, -on -one, which is a very customised, tailored opportunity for kids where kids can really determine uh, the, the direction in which their education is delivered. That's because it's so customised. We've got one-on-two and we've also got small groups, which is one-on-seven, where it's like this, like we're interacting right now. We've got a super engaging instructor. They do screen sharing. We've got a set proprietary curriculum and kids get to build some really awesome things, you know, via, via online education. That's sensational. And I know there's a lot of um, really great work you're doing as well. I understand that you're currently running your digital access program, which is um, with an IT recycling company in Queensland. Can you tell us a little bit about that as well and what the benefits are? Yeah, so we came across a, a group called Substation 33, whose focus is to make sure that every kid has access to hardware. And if you think about it, certain people's junk is other people's treasure, as the old saying goes. A lot of organisations throw out their old laptops and hardware, but they can be recycled just because they're three years old and the big corporate doesn't necessarily use it for their, um, their needs. A kid could use it. It's a fantastic refurbished laptop and could undertake you know, their education from home as a result. So what we're doing is we're offering um, with our programs at parents for between $100 and $200 access a really great um, a, a machine, whether it's a desktop or a laptop, so their kids have access to hardware and can, can continue their education. Just to clarify, you know, we, we don't make any money on that. We want all the money to go directly to this not-for-profit. We just want the kids to be able to have access to hardware so they can come and join in with our programs. Mm. Congratulations on that. And is that, is that just for children in Queensland at the moment? Yeah, at, at the moment, we've limited it to, uh, to Brisbane mm -hmm. and ultimately it will start to roll out across Melbourne and Sydney. Um, so that will be coming soon. Very exciting. Well done on that. And um, I understand also some of the other great work you're doing, um, you're offering free STEM programs for Indigenous youth. And I believe you guys were recently on NITV as well. Was it called Deadly Coders, is it? Yeah, so Deadly Coders, so that, that's something we are extremely proud of, by the way. We, um, we received some government funding to support Indigenous youth. Um, unfortunately, there's a bit of a disparity between um, youth participating, non-Indigenous youth participating, let's try not to trip over my tongue, uh, non-Indigenous youth participating in STEM and Indigenous youth. There's a big difference there. Now, our goal was to encourage more Indigenous students to participate in digital technologies. And about a month ago, we delivered our first Deadly Coders program to 120 Indigenous students. They were 
awesome. They were so engaged. Oh, they Adam, came that's to awesome. Yeah, they 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 came to QT and Griffith where we held it. Um, we did get on TV as a result, but that was only a byproduct. We we don't care about that. We care about the kids' um, um, ability to participate. And we want to make this a sustainable thing. So we're going to continue to roll out our Deadly Coders programs and we're looking for corporates to sponsor and support these events because they really can make a difference to these kids' lives. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, well, definitely whatever information we can include in the show notes about that, we definitely will. Um, this has been a fascinating chat today and a very important one at that. So I guess if you were to summarise your key messages for anyone watching and listening, what would they be? Well, in summary, digital technologies, education, is, it's here and it's here to stay. It's not a nice to have, it's a must have. And if you're a parent with young kids, really please think about uh, registering kids for a program where they can learn the language of the future, where they can learn to code. And the reason for that is they will learn skills that will set them up for future success in this world of ours that's becoming increasingly technology orientated. And I guess the other key message is that there are many ways to learn. There's in-person and online. And online is here, it's here to stay. Again, if you're a parent, I would suggest encouraging your child to try online education. It's a great way to learn. It can complement what they do in person, and it means that students around Australia, regardless of their location, can access quality digital technologies education. Yeah, and I, I love what you said, that coding is the language of the future. I just, that encapsulates everything. So <laughs> it's just such a powerful statement. Now, of course, if parents have got any questions and or want to reach out to you guys and and, and um, enroll their children in any of the junior learnings courses as well, whereabouts can they find you guys? Well, two ways. Our website, uh, juniorengineers.com.au, or they can call us, one 9344 But that's also on the website as well. So the best thing to do, type in junior engineers you'll see all of our programs would absolutely love to see your kids at one of them. Oh, Adam, this has been awesome. And I really hope for the opportunity to have another chat with you in the not too distant future, because I think this is an ongoing conversation and we just need to keep having it and, and discuss the uh, importance of it. But thank you so much for your time today and look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Take care. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Right, bye. I'm Rachel Monteleone, and you've been listening to Kiddypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kiddypedia by visiting our website at kiddypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.